If you happen to be in need of a new t-shirt, hoodie, sticker, journal, or magnet, and want to help support this podcast, why not kill two birds with one stone and visit our official merch store? Check out the ever-growing selection of designs inspired by Japanese history at ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com. Thank you for your support. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 6, Episode 5, Michinaga the Magnificent. Before we get too far into the story of Fujiwara Michinaga's rise to power, we need to acknowledge the unsung and often ignored political brokers of the Heian period, the Dowager Empresses. Many of the regency appointments we discussed in the previous episode were guided by the mother of the sitting emperor, sometimes even when said emperor had misgivings about that appointment. Fujiwara Kaneye, famous for later tricking Emperor Kazan into retiring early, was kept out of the office of regent years before by the dowager, who before her death in 964 had written to Kanemichi and indicated her desire that the succession of regent be decided by age. When sitting regent Koretada died in 972, Emperor Enyu honored his mother's wishes and supported Kanemichi as regent instead of Kaneye. Of course, Kaneye eventually attains the office of regent and quickly acted in a way that proved his detractors correct when they accused him of being too ambitious. Ousting Emperor Kazan through trickery was considered bad form, but now that his own grandchild was on the throne, there was nothing anyone could do but wait for him to die. When he obliged them in 990, his sons continued in his stead because they were the closest maternal relatives to the sitting emperor. In 995, after the seven-day reign of Kampaku Fujiwara Michikane came to an abrupt end when he died, Michinaga was not the only eligible candidate to take his brother's place. Kaneye's eldest son, Michitaka, who was regent from 990 to 995, had an oldest son of his own, who was rapidly becoming the toast of Heian-kyo's elite. Fujiwara Korechika, Michinaga's younger and hipper nephew, was in his element at both poetry parties and in the halls of power, and the year before his father died he had attained the office of Naidaijin, minister of the center, at the age of 22. He had been serving in the Daijo Daikon since he was 18, more than long enough for a likely future regent to acquire political alliances and clout. Korechika also had a decent claim to the office of regent, his sister Sadako was married to Ichijo Tenno and was made Kogo, the official title for the reigning empress. Thus, in addition to his charisma, youth, and political savvy, Korechika was also the emperor's brother-in-law. The outside observer could be forgiven thus far in thinking that the son of Michitaka would overshadow his 32-year-old uncle who was, at best, a maternal uncle of the Tenno. However, Michinaga had one very considerable advantage over Korechika, the favor of Dowager Empress Fujiwara Senshi, mother to Emperor Ichijo and Michinaga's own sister. For a time, neither man was granted the regency and a tense, uneasy peace ensued. 
Ichijo Tenno did not like Michinaga, but at his mother's urging, granted him the title of Nairon, an office for a trusted advisor who was even allowed to read the emperor's private letters. To make matters worse for Korechika, Michinaga was shortly afterward promoted to Udaijin, Minister of the Right, an office which outranked his own Naidaijin, Minister of the Center. While it may seem like Michinaga was well on his way to becoming Kampaku, these were dangerous times when the armed followers of political rivals sometimes fought one another in the streets of the capital. Michinaga enjoyed the support of the Seiwa Genji Minamoto clan, who were by this time known for their martial skill, but Korechika was young and rash, and who knows what he might do if he felt desperate to overcome his uncle by any means necessary. Thus, Michinaga is believed to have hatched a plot to have his troublesome nephew removed from consideration, and indeed, from the capital itself. Here is one of those places where the romantic culture of the Heian period intersects with politics. Fujiwara Korechika had a mistress who lived with her sisters in a Fujiwara-owned mansion called the Ichijo Palace. Retired Emperor Kazan, who had taken orders as a Buddhist monk, had been observed visiting the same residence in the wee hours of the morning, and Korechika became convinced that the retired Tenno was his mistress's secret boyfriend. I imagine it burned his pride to think that someone would treat both himself, a rising star who may be the next dictator of Japan, and the retired Emperor Kazan, a loser who had only sat on the throne for three years before falling for one of the most obvious ruses ever, as equals. Whatever the case, he became determined to punish the Daijo Tenno for interfering in his love life. In what has to be one of the most ill-conceived ideas in Japanese history, Korechika plotted with his brother Fujiwara Takaye to ambush the retired emperor and his entourage as they arrived at the Ichijo Palace one night. They hid in a nearby garden along with their attendant bodyguards, whose bows were knocked and ready. The story goes that the bodyguards shot arrows at the Daijo Tenno's party, killing two of his entourage and piercing the retired emperor's sleeve, but leaving him otherwise unharmed. Kazan fled along with his remaining guards, but the incident caused an uproar, and both Korechika and Takaye were brought before the Daijo Daikon on charges of attempting to murder a sovereign. As the questioning went on, however, Korechika convinced the council that it was his overzealous guards who had loosed arrows at the retired emperor, and not himself or his brother. While Michinaga is always supposed to have had a hand in this plot, I was unable to find precisely how he arranged for all of this, but I would guess that he directed the rumors of retired Emperor Kazan's love life toward his hot-blooded nephew, calculating that the young man would act in some rash way and give him an opening. In addition to being a retired Tenno, Kazan was also a monk, and it was considered horribly criminal to attack a monk. Now that it appeared as though Korechika was about to talk his way out of nearly killing the retired Emperor Kazan, Michinaga knew that he needed to raise the stakes. Evidence was produced, almost certainly fabricated by Michinaga's underlings, that Korechika and Takaye had not only loosed an arrow at the retired Emperor, they had engaged in black magic with the intention of cursing the Daijo Tenno. This the Council of State could not ignore, and they immediately demoted and reassigned both Korechika and Takaye. 
Horechika was made vice governor of Dazaifu, and Takaye was made provisional governor of Izumo province in Chugoku. While Korechika and Takaye would return to Heian-kyo under a general pardon the following year, Michinaga's supremacy was now an undisputed fact which would only become more certain as time went on. Once Korechika was safely removed from the capital, Michinaga was promoted to Sadaijin, Minister of the Left, in 996, an office that was just below that of Daijo Daijin, the Chancellor, which was traditionally the most powerful office in the nation besides Kampaku and Tenno. Now, does anyone want to guess when Michinaga was finally named Kampaku? 997? 998? 1002? Get ready to have your mind blown. Michinaga was never, ever appointed to the office of Kampaku. That's right, the most famous and arguably the most successful Fujiwara dictator never actually held the office of dictator. Other nobles sometimes referred to him as the Mido Kampaku, Mido being the name of one of his residences. While he was the emperor's uncle, he was not a father-in-law, nor did he have a grandson who was in the line of succession. He did have a young daughter, Akiko, whom he arranged to marry the emperor at the earliest possible opportunity in 999 when she was 12. Reigning Emperor Ichijo was 20 at the time, and by marrying young Akiko, he was essentially confirming that Michinaga was the master of the nation in everything but title. Akiko was granted the title of Chugu upon her union with Emperor Ichijo, a title which was coined just for this occasion and one which implied her equality with the sitting empress. Empress Sadako, who held the time-honored title of Kogo, was sister to the disgraced Korechika, and her fortunes at court would continue declining after her brother's banishment. One of her ladies-in-waiting was none other than Sei Shonagon, author of The Pillow Book, which we referred to in Episode 2, The Age of Hunger. She wrote about the empress as a tragic figure, one who was beautiful and gentle, perhaps too beautiful and gentle for this world. Sadako's years under Michinaga's de facto regency were made increasingly miserable, as she was gradually abandoned by all of her usual friends and allies in favor of the dictator, and later, his daughter, the new empress. Korechika had returned to Heian-kyo by this point, and while he was forgiven for trying to harm the Daijo Tenno, and given permission to attend court ceremonies, he was still kept out of the Daijo Daikon. In 1000, Empress Sadako became pregnant. She had already given Emperor Ichijo a potential heir with their son, Prince Atsuyasu, in 999, which may have been part of what motivated Michinaga to lobby for the emperor's marriage to his daughter. But the boy had not been put into the line of succession yet, and with Michinaga in charge, that seemed unlikely. In early 1001, she went into labor and then died while giving birth. The death of his sister was a terrible blow to Korechika, whose mother had died a few years before. It is doubtful that he was still entertaining thoughts of restoring his former power at this point, but if he was, this was almost certainly the final death blow of any political ambitions. He would remain in the capital, and in 1005 he would be appointed to a vacant office, dusted off just for him, called Jun Daijin. 
This was merely a title without a job or responsibilities, said to be ranked above the great counselors but below the ministers. In early 1010, Korechika died at the age of 37. History is full of people who grasp for political power, but then, upon achieving it, don't seem to have the first idea of what they want to accomplish with it. Michinaga was absolutely not one of those men. He was an able statesman, and some sources claim that he had an uncanny ability to discern the secret desires of people's hearts. To use more modern terminology, we would probably say that he was good at reading people. For a man whose power was undergirded by his ability to gain loyalty through favors, this was an incredibly useful talent which he appears to have utilized very effectively. While the rest of the Kuge generally looked upon the provincial samurai as nothing more than country bumpkins with swords, Michinaga went out of his way to recruit their more powerful noble families into his client network. One of his wives was the daughter of Minamoto Masanobu, the head of the Uda Genji clan. His most powerful alliance, however, was the one he forged with Minamoto's Yorimitsu and Yorinobu of the Seiwa Genji. Any enemies foolish enough to oppose Michinaga risked a violent visitation from a member of the Seiwa Genji. Those Kuge who seethed in silence at Michinaga's rise snidely referred to the Minamoto brothers as the Fujiwara's running dogs. The Minamoto did not serve the Fujiwara clan out of the goodness of their hearts, obviously, and their leaders were rewarded with lucrative governorships in the provinces of Kansai and later in Kanto in exchange for their loyalty and their violence whenever it was needed. In addition to governing what was becoming an increasingly dangerous and fractious nation, Michinaga also solidified his power by arranging marriages with future emperors, and succeeded in bringing about four such marriages between future Tenno and his daughters. In the summer of 1011, Emperor Ichijo became ill and retired, becoming a Buddhist monk and then dying five days later. His successor was a son of Emperor Reize, who was elevated to the throne and is remembered as Emperor Sanjo. Sanjo Tenno was married to one of Michinaga's daughters, giving the head of the Fujiwara clan still further clout to continue as de facto regent. Shortly after the new emperor came to the throne, he granted Fujiwara Michinaga an unprecedented privilege by giving him permission to travel to and from the court in an ox-drawn wagon. The usual method of Kuge travel was by a covered sedan carried by servants or, for those further down the ladder, their own feet. While Michinaga was no doubt honored, he had no intention of letting the emperor buy his subservience. Emperor Sanjo was something of an anomaly for his time in that he took the throne when he was 36. Being a fully grown man, he intended to govern the nation himself, though he was not foolish enough to believe he could do this without Michinaga's support. He offered him the office of Kampaku, but Michinaga declined. This might seem surprising, but I think Michinaga probably believed at this point that to accept such an office from the emperor would be to admit that the Tenno had the right to give him orders. After all, the office of Kampaku was technically under the emperor's direct authority, at least on paper, and Michinaga did not want Sanjo Tenno getting any funny ideas about his role in the government. Michinaga did retain his title of Nairan, however, which was good enough for him. Emperor Sanjo was not about to back down from his plan to take hold of the government. 
and he soon sought out Kuge who were willing to oppose Michinaga to his cause. The most important of these was Fujiwara Sanesuke, whose diary we read from in episode 3, The Age of Uncertainty. Sanesuke was kind of a funny Kuge, however, who had odd mannerisms and superstitions which endeared him to some as a lovable weirdo, but tended to alienate others. While he was opposed to Michinaga, he was also a man deeply committed to his own principles, which gave him a massive disadvantage against the de facto dictator. Thinking to subvert Michinaga, Emperor Sanjo arranged to promote one of his concubines, a daughter of one Fujiwara Narutoki, to the rank of Kogo, potentially undermining the claims of Michinaga's daughter, who was now Chugu. At the ceremony to install her as such, however, Michinaga declined to attend, and most of the rest of the court followed his boycott, making for a fairly morose celebration of the new empress. This appears to have been all it took to convince Fujiwara Sanesuke that further resistance was useless. He may have thought that Fujiwara Michinaga was an abominable tyrant, but he was a practical man and not eager to provoke a direct confrontation with the de facto dictator. Meanwhile, the affairs of state ground to a halt as the conflict between the emperor and Michinaga persisted. One by one, the few Kuge whom Sanjo Tenno managed to recruit to his cause stopped visiting, and the emperor became very lonely. In 1016, after a bout with a serious illness that nearly left him blind, Emperor Sanjo worked out a deal with Michinaga. He agreed to step down, but he had one condition, that his first son, Atsuakira from Fujiwara Seishi, the concubine whom he had earlier elevated to Kogo Empress, be put into the succession as crown prince after the emperor who followed him. Michinaga agreed, and Emperor Sanjo retired and became a Buddhist monk just five years after taking the throne. While it is typical for emperors to relegate themselves to the cloister when their time in the sun is over, Emperor Sanjo showed many signs of genuine spiritual sensitivity. He regularly went on pilgrimage, and emperors that followed him mimicked his custom of visiting the Iwashimizu Hachiman Shrine every year. Crown Prince Atsuhira was elevated to the Chrysanthemum Throne and is remembered as Emperor Go Ichijo. He was eight years old and was the grandson of, wait for it, Fujiwara Michinaga. As a side note, whenever an emperor's posthumous name begins with Go, it indicates that they are the second of that name. Go Ichijo Tenno, for example, can be translated as the later Emperor Ichijo. The new emperor needed a Sesho regent, but he could not decide who to choose. Just kidding. Obviously, he chose his kindly old grandfather, Fujiwara Michinaga, who graciously agreed to help. Now he was regent in title and in practicality, but his health was beginning to fail, and he knew that it would soon be time to find a successor. He chose Fujiwara Yorimichi, his oldest son and protege. Unlike many emperors we've discussed so far, Fujiwara Michinaga did not die a few days or months after his retirement, but lived until early 1028. In the interim, he appears to have explored his spiritual side, sponsoring the building of many temples and shrines, and transcribing his own copy of the Lotus Sutra. In his typical ostentatious style, he used gold ink. 
During his time as the unofficial dictator, the teachings of Pure Land Buddhism began to gain popularity among the aristocracy. This particular avenue of Buddhism focused on the veneration of the Buddha Amida, who built a paradise realm which the practitioner could be reborn into if they gained Amida's favor. In the middle of a ritual venerating Amida in Hoji Temple, Michinaga died in the hall that his funding had helped to build. Later this season, we will discuss the development of the Pure Land School, which started gaining popularity during the later Heian period. Next time, however, we will take a closer look at the life and work of a woman whose stories of romance would become, according to some scholars, the world's first novel. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. Thank you.